Monster Production brings you Under the Water Tower, presented by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. And now, here are your hosts, Matt Crane and Derek Biglane. Good afternoon, Matt. Good afternoon, Derek. Matt, uh, we'd be remiss to say uh, this. We are recording this, of course, on Wednesday afternoon, as we have been for the last several months, and wanted to say that our thoughts and prayers are going out to those, uh, all of those affected uh, since our last show. Uh, the storms came through Friday night. Uh, just, of course, everybody knows by now, I'm sure, through Rolling Fort, stretched about 100, 150 miles, touching down, you know, basically along that line, kind of dabbling up toward uh, Alabama, Rolling Fork, uh, Silver City, Wren, uh, all the way to Amory in Mississippi, and of course, uh, a couple places in Alabama. And just want to say that we're, you know, we've been praying, our, our, our we have a, we have men's group that have been praying, our Sunday school, and just a, a very, very sad thing. I know that uh, people have donated, people have um, been taking trucks down there. The Community Foundation did a great thing Sunday, right after our church was taking uh, donations. Several schools, several churches are doing the same thing. So we just wanted to start the show by saying that, you know, we're, we're thinking about y'all. I uh, know y'all, you know, I'm sure that you know, everybody in Rolling Fort listens to this podcast. Right. Um, but no, but we're thinking about them and that uh, hopefully uh, everybody, if you know somebody, if you know a family, if you know of any businesses down that they've been affected, if there's any way you can give, any way that you can show, you know, why Mississippians are who we are. We are the hospitality state. But not only that, when people come to Mississippi, they see that we're all just a big family. So uh, again, just wanted to start the show with that and just say that, um, you know, we, we are praying for those people. And Matt, also, if you're watching the news, it looks like another round is coming. One week later, uh, we were, I think, about the beginning of Monday and Tuesday, they were saying we're outside the, I guess, the, 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 the worst range. Now we're kind of edging toward the middle of the worst range that the Memphis-Hernando area is. So just kind of be watching and praying that we don't get another round of that in, in our area. And that looks to be, what, the afternoon of Friday? Yeah, Friday. Right. It's, it's going to be earlier in the day, which means it's going to be hotter in the day, which okay. – but it's you know, going to be in the daylight. It's going to be in the daylight. So you can see, it. Right. hopefully, if anything happens, you'll be able to see it come and yeah. take cover. Unfortunately, they did not have the sirens that right. we have. DeSoto County has a pretty good, pretty wide range of sirens that we can be able uh, to do that. But it is, I mean, it's that season. Uh, it just has started a little earlier than normal. Um, just, a, just a horrible thing to, to have to you know read about and see since our last show. Oh, Derek, it's just terrible. And that's how we start our show now. Our weekly show with the UTW Podcast is kind of since our last show, what's been going on. And in the state of Mississippi, this has been the main topic. Uh, last Friday, I drove down to Hattiesburg to see Hannah Grace sing with the Ole Miss Choir. And um, about, give or take, 6 o'clock, as we're getting close to Hattiesburg, the tornado warning goes off on the radio and it was for a city that we had passed in 45 minutes earlier wow and so you know it's like you said it's that time of year the warm air from the gulf the high end uh, the high pressure is going to win every time but man it's going to it's going to wreak havoc you know until it does and it's it's really sad and, and amazing like you mentioned the number of people stepping up in different ways you and i know of a couple of different ways that you know we've been asked to step up with something else that we're involved in so you're learning of new things but uh, when people have lost everything it's it's amazing. It really when you is. You were coming back from Hattiesburg on Sunday. Yes, Winona was one of the places. Yeah. Could you tell on the interstate where it was affected? Just south of Winona. Okay. Okay. Just south of Winona. Give it about about five miles. You'll start to see, or you'll see trees snapped in half. Wow. Uh, you know, on each side of the highway, so you can see the path that kind of comes right across. It says Winona, and I know how Winona is set up. If you're going up the interstate, Winona is actually to the east, right. the actual town and city. So, um, but I did not see inside the city. But yeah, you can see right there on the interstate, 
tree snapped in half and you know it's about a 300 yard wide situation i mean that's just well i mean if you remember like if you ever drive like you and i do several times a year down 55 south um you'll know the yazoo exit or right around the durant before you get to yazoo exit there you know it's all pine trees all pine trees all pine trees you know and in the middle of the median and then you get to about a half a mile to one mile gap where there is nothing Nothing. and that's where the tornado came through that went through yazoo city god it's now what 10 12 years now right i was afraid it sounds like that's very similar to what happened at winona just you know when you can see the path that is cut and look both ways and just see the tree lines you see how devastating those things are so again our prayers uh thoughts and prayers go out to those families all those affected in that community my assistant um her her stepdaughter uh, was called in it um she did she did survive uh but uh was pretty badly uh pretty badly hurt and so we're praying for her so again just uh wanted to just say that and if you any of your family members who may be listening or any friends that were affected we're very very sorry and please reach out to us if there's any you know any way we can get the word out to, to things that may be needed you know there, there's two people that are undefeated mother nature and father time that's right always going to win no matter what very sad situation prayers to all those people in mississippi great job stepping up the state of mississippi doing wonderful things we're going to talk more about the state of mississippi here uh shortly and the different things going on inside the legislature but that's what's been going on inside of mississippi i know other things have been happening nationally but uh you know we, were, we wanted to talk about that in mississippi and uh and just you know mention that because so many people we, we know and don't know have been affected and uh no easy segue to this Derek. but uh, we need to recognize our 2023 presenting sponsor one of the best realtors in desoto county by far the best real estate team in DeSoto County for over 13 years. They have combined over 70 years of combined real estate experience. All of our podcast listeners know who I speak about. Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. With thousands of closings since 2009 on the buying and selling side of residential real estate, Team Couch of Birch Realty Group has been voted DeSoto's best realtor multiple times. They are currently offering a free, no obligation market analysis. Simply give them your address. They can tell you all about your neighborhood, your street, how long houses are staying on the market, how fast they're getting to escrow, how fast they're closing. Brian and Terry possess all the analytics that you want from your realtor in 2023. Give them a call at 662-449-1700. Call Brian directly on his cell phone at 901-461-7653. That's 461-SOLD, S-O-L-D. You can also do a full home search anywhere in the Mid-South at their award-winning website, teamcouch.com. Again, that's teamcouch.com. As we get warmer weather, beautiful blue skies outside, a lot of people like to get out and say, hey, you know, maybe this is a time me and my family make a move. Whether that's out of or into DeSoto County, work with the best, contact the best. You will not regret calling our 2023 presenting sponsor, Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. Again, 662-449-1700. And podcast listeners, always remember, every home needs a couch. Derek, we made jokes for about five straight weeks. It was raining every time we recorded at the Mobile Cars and Van Rural Studios. Not today, Wednesday afternoon, blue skies, beautiful sunshine, beautiful day to be in the Mobile Cars and Van Rural Studios. Mobile Cars and Vans located at the corner of McCracken and Commerce right here in Hernando. Cars, trucks, vans. If you're turning your car into a body shop or maybe you're getting a new transmission, any kind of thing like that, whether you need a car or van for a day, a week, or even a month, We'd love to help you. Give us a call, 662-469-4555. That's 662-469-4555. You know, Derek, we had – well, I'll go ahead and say it. We had – I think we've had four people show up this week that had a reservation at Enterprise, and they didn't have their vehicle. Wow. It's happening left and right. happens every day, it seems like. We showed up this morning to work, and someone from Memphis was here because Enterprise didn't have what they needed. Now, 
they did make a reservation for mobile cars and vans, but that store happened to be in Starville. So uh, <laughs> we fixed that and got and took care of them. And, and again, another happy customer. Please give us a call, 662-469-4555, mobile cars and vans. Well, Derek, no Alderman meeting uh, going on right now in the city of Fernando. And so we're going to talk. This is actually going to be our fifth Thursday of the month. So, uh, you know, not five shows because you and I took off for spring break. That's right. And Derek, sometimes when you do take off work, uh, you may get docked in pay. However, what we're about to discuss right now is not a dock in pay. It uh, it looks for a pretty um, hefty improvement. What you got? Looking for an increase. So uh, the, something that has happened, I guess, since our last show was a board of supervisors. They met. A couple of the topics that we'll be talking about today. The first, DeSoto County tax collector is demanding a pay raise from the from the county board of supervisors. Joey Treadway has told the board of supervisors that he will no longer collect taxes from the county cities. Unless he receives a pay raise. Treadway is currently paid a salary of $108,000 plus additional fees for collecting taxes for South Haven, Olive Branch, Horn Lake, and Hernando, and then also walls under an interlocal agreement, and taxes from about 17 different entities like the Storm Water Drainage Districts and Volunteer Fire Districts. He now wants to come out of retirement and ask the board to increase his pay by an additional $72,000, Matt. $72,000. I guess I'm confused. Out of, I don't understand. Come out of retirement. How's so he's work? been in retirement. He has been, he's been, uh, he's been in retirement. I'm, I, I, okay, give, give me on that. I, I guess so I he retired 11 years ago. Okay. Uh, he from from this job? Or well, yeah, from, the, like a, from a state job. Oh, a state from, job. From a state okay, job. gotcha. Yeah. He received a monthly pension check from the state retirement, from PERS, from state retirement system, plus... Which is none of, of our business. I mean, we that, don't know what that, that is. Yeah, that's you know, that's sixty percent of right, whatever sure. his pay was. Whatever, got whatever it, okay. when he ended, um, uh, and and plus a cost of a living check at the end of the year, okay. and twenty five percent of his salary from the county. So he retired from the county. He's been retired from the county. He's been getting his sixty percent plus twenty five for twenty five percent plus end of the year. You know, they kind of catch you up with the. I think with inflation, he gets like an end of the year living okay. adjustment type thing. Gotcha. District three supervisor and board president Ray Dennison said there is no reason for the pay raise and considers Treadway's approach as threatening to the board. This is this mm. quoted in DeSoto Times. Interesting. Uh, Treadway presented the board of supervisors with a letter of his intention to terminate the interlocal agreement to collect taxes from the cities, which ends in nine months, unless he and tax assessor Jeff Fitch are paid more. Under the term of the agreement, which has been in place for 13 years, Treadway and Fitch receive about $32,000 each. That's the county's portion. Part of the, their salary. That's right, part of their salary. Dennison said that while he does not dispute that the cities should be paying more, for Treadway or his position to collect the taxes, the board does not feel that he should get a $72,000 pay raise for the same job he has been doing for decades. Is, and this is a quote from Dennison. He does not disagree that the interlocal needs to be upgraded. What we dispute is that he wants to come, he being Treadway, wants to come out of retirement and then impose on the county an additional $72,000 above and beyond what he is making. It would bump up his salary to, again, with all the fees, everything lumped in, $255,000 annually, which in my mind is unjustifiable. Again, that is Dennison's quote. Another supervisor commented that if he gave one elected department head a 136% increase, increase in his salary, yes. they would run him out of town. Uh, this was a, a supervisor Gardner said this, and he said that Treadway told the board that the reason he felt he was owed more money is because the county has grown and he has collected more money, you know, more par- oh, excuse me, collected money for more parcels. And so Garner agrees, but he said, well, yes, the county has grown, but we did not double the sheriff's salary. We didn't double the chancery clerk's salary. How do we justify doubling you know, more than you know, his salary? 
apparently he thinks you know he can make more money coming out of retirement this is a, a very very hard thing you know I, this is a, a very sticky subject obviously he gave an example the sheriff's department may seize a hundred thousand dollars in drug money but we don't write a check to bill rasco the money goes in for the operation of the sheriff's department this that's the agreement that he wants in other words he's saying I don't mind looking at an increase. We've grown. We've grown since you started. But let's, let's increase the whole department, right. not just your specific salary. And, and correct me if I'm wrong. You're telling me that he's just asking for his salary, not his staff, which I know I'm in there all the time, obviously, with the number of cars <laughs> that I have and vehicles that I'm, I'm in there. So I'm in there sometimes six to ten times a week. Uh, but you're, it's not the entire staff. It's from what said, you're, from the way this reads, and the way the supervisor understood it, yeah. it was his salary and Jeff Fitch's salary both wow, need to be okay. increased. And he asked, he was asking – for seventy-two thousand uh, dollars. Now, Dennison said that said the county does not oppose Treadway working out a new agreement with the cities, but made it clear that the county will figure out another way to collect the taxes that they need to collect when the interlocal agreement expires on January first of, of twenty twenty-four, with or without him. He said the board is open for Treadway to come back and nego- renegotiate, but they are not give, going to give in to that salary demand. So I don't, I don't disagree. I, if, if, if this is what, like, what would you say, like $108,000 and he's been it for 10 years? Well, maybe a decent increase is not unheard of. I don't yeah. I just disagree with that. That makes total sense. But yeah, what you were just saying seems, I, I bet it did. I bet the water supervisors <laughs> were quite shocked. You know, we're yeah. definitely quite yeah. shocked. So I, we'll see how it goes. But I mean, I guess the, the point of this is that, you know, this was obviously a very huge thing that has been the paper. It's very, took up a lot of time of the supervisors meeting. And I think that, um, you know, the main thing is, is that this is our taxpayer money. Sure. Um, and, you know, so you can, how you feel about, I'm not, as you said, I think that that position should be given a raise, whether it's him or whoever was elected to be uh, the, uh, the tax assessor. Now we'll say that that is an elected position. That is a position that is currently up for election this year, and this he's year? currently unopposed. Oh, he's unopposed because you know well, it's too late, isn't it? It's too late. Uh, January thirty first was the time to. That come was in. a pretty. Hang on a second. Wait, 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 wait. That's pretty. That works out pretty well <laughs> for him. It does. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> for four more years, he can say, "Hey, pay me seventy two thousand dollars more a year," or, or I don't show up yeah. on January first or something. Um, wow, interesting. So anyway, that's uh, that's that's where we are. Um, so we'll just kind of pay attention to that. We'll see how it goes. Uh, you know, they, they Keep, meet yeah. a couple times a month, and you know, at the next meeting, we'll see if that's kind of brought up again. You were saying the people that were quoted there, Ray Dennison uh, being one of them, Mark Gardner Mark being Gardner. one of them, were not saying no or heck no. They were just simply saying, "Well, let us catch our breath here and 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 maybe come back with um, something in good faith and." And kind of yeah, not, maybe not it. just for you, but for the whole department. Right, the whole maybe department. they threw fifty thousand at the whole department, sure. but not like just a certain individual for one increase in salary, just because you want to come out of retirement and are no longer going to be getting sixty percent from the state. Yeah, very interesting. So that's some of the stuff. Again, Eric, I say it all the time. You never have to worry about me running for alderman or board of supervisors <laughs> ever. Never going to happen. Uh, or cha- or what's, what was it? The uh, tax assessor. Tax assessor. Not interested in that as, as tax well. Collector? So tax collector. No, not that one. I'm perfectly fine. I've got uh, many things going on uh, around the old mobile cars and vans for sure. Well, Derek, let's turn our attention to something that we we announced a couple of years ago, but it's now about to get started or discussed that's going to get started pretty soon. It's the large renovation, uh, the Lander Center in South Haven, trying to make some changes to where it can be be more of an entertainment slash convention slash hotel destination destination for uh, people. Tell us all about the renovations to the Lander Center. Yeah, so this is kind of one of the other main topics they looked at at the Board of Supervisors meeting. The plans to renovate and expand the Lanner Center took a step forward this week after DeSoto County Board of Supervisors agreed to issue a $38.5 million bond for that project. The project is a joint venture with the Convention and Visitors Bureau 
and will include the construction of more than 70,000 square feet of convention and event space and a separate project by South Haven and the CVB to build an attached six-story luxury brand hotel and freestanding upscale restaurant. The county originally voted in November 2021, which of course is what you're talking about that we covered, to issue $35 million in bonds. But Dennison said that the county agreed to increase that figure by $3.5 million in order to include a new performing arts theater in the scope of the project. The CVB share of the project will be about $8 million. Now that the county has agreed to go ahead with the bond, it gives the city of South Haven the green light for the hotel project to proceed. South Haven has been in negotiations with Embassy Suites to build a 200-room resort-style hotel with a lazy river feature and a 10,000-square-foot restaurant. Now, the city expects this to be finalized by April 4th, that is the contract, according to Darren Musselwhite. The expanded convention center will add about $45 million a year into the local economy and will create 662 full-time jobs. So again, the Board of Supervisors, the county money uh, is going toward the bond. Or that, the bond is going to actually to the uh, to the expansion of the, the the convention center, that sort of thing. South Haven is the one doing the hotel uh, and the restaurant. Gotcha. So it's kind of two separate things. Convention of your Visitors Bureau is doing a little piece of both, right. but the county has one part, city of South Haven has the other part, and it just sounds like it's going to be, you know, it's going to bring in more concerts. It's going to bring in uh, actual conventions that may be going to the uh, Renaissance Convention Center. It used to be the Cook Convention Center downtown Memphis. Now maybe shifting to DeSoto County. So just, uh, you know, they, they think they can get a really good turn on their a return on their investment. Uh, for that project well a lot of people going to the coast a lot of people going to uh you know i mean there's only a certain size i mean nashville for instance is, is a gorgeous convention center and it's massive and that there's certain levels of convention conventions and New things Orleans that come there the river and it's just gargantuan yeah it's I mean, huge it's, and they've just renovated it right so you know it, it's it's interesting i mean why not desoto county we we think of it from a small town standpoint right here in hernando but i mean desoto county is a two hundred thousand resident yeah. place and uh can ha- can handle and manage those type things so uh uh, good for the uh, Board of Supervisors getting the ball rolling on that. Looking forward to uh, another wonderful thing in this great county that we call home. Yeah, and that's a, again, that's a bond issue with, nat- with no tax increase. This is no a, tax increase. Yeah, no, so no, 10% no, is not too much? No. 10% <laughs> is not too much? It's, it's, it's never. 9%? Never yeah, never 10%. Never. You know, exactly. Yeah. Well, Derek, speaking of taxes, people that set that up and do those different things right here in the state of Mississippi, the Mississippi legislature looks like they're going to miss their deadline, and uh, the guys may be running up a little bit uh, higher tab at the hotels <laughs> in Jackson, Mississippi. Tell us about that. All right, the Mississippi lawmakers missed a Monday night deadline to complete their budget work and will now have to extend the regular session or wait for Governor Tate Reeves to call a special session to fund public education and other key agencies. Now, Speaker Philip Gunn told House members late Monday afternoon that there were about 25 budget bills where work had not been completed to reach agreement between legislative leaders ahead of the midnight deadline. Of course, that was midnight on Monday. He said House leaders will attempt on Tuesday, of course, that was yesterday, to garner the two-thirds majority vote needed to extend the session for one or two days in order to meet the Mississippi Constitution requirement that all appropriations and revenue bills will be passed before the final five days of the session. This session is currently scheduled to end Sunday. Lawmakers could vote to extend the session on paper, but still finish by Sunday's scheduled final day. At the heart of the missed deadline is a fight between House and Senate leaders over the budget bill for K through 12 schools. That involves both the budget, the MEAP, or the, the MAAP, M-A-E-P, that we talked about last time, and just you know how important it is to fully fund that. The Senate voted to make small adjustments to the Mississippi Adequate uh, Education Program. That's the MAAP. 
the formula that provides the share, state's share of funds to local school districts and to fully fund it for the first time since 2007-2008 school year. However, House leaders have rejected the Senate's plan, saying they do not want to put an additional funds into the MAYAP formula. The full membership of the House has not been allowed to vote on the Senate plan. House leaders have said that they wanted to provide specific earmarks for education, but did not want to provide additional funds for the MAAP, and again, it's M-A-E-P, if I'm saying that right, which pays the state's share for the basic needs of school districts, such as teacher salaries, textbooks, and transportation. Now, while agreements eluded the lawmakers on education and other budget bills, many more of the 100 bill budget bills have already passed. Lawmakers agreed on spending. One, one big thing that came out was that lawmakers did agree finally uh, on Monday t- to agree on spending $104 million to bail out the state's struggling hospitals, which, you know, we've talked about that. Uh, there are several failing, I think 12 or 13 around the state were in, in uh, looking that they might fail sometime in the next couple months. They did throw $104 million at that. But still, the education is the big thing. So the Senate wants to see it passed. Uh, Philip Gunn does not want to see it passed or fully funded, so he's holding it up in the House. That's the biggest thing. So now he's wanting maybe to take some money from roads, that sort of thing, which could affect our, our interstate improvements up here. So it, it's politics. <laughs> it's a quote-unquote negotiation, but a lot of times it's, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to withhold this if you withhold this type of things. And so we'll see if they have to extend it, how long they have to extend it, and when the session will finally end. That's why I mentioned it last week, Derek, on our last show when you were telling us that uh, Mike McClendon was going to be unopposed in the city of Fernando to stay in the Senate as a, as our representative. Uh, and that's why it's so important to have somebody from your hometown or from here that uh, is you know lives here and is willing to listen to what we to our, to our needs and can go and sadly play politics on our behalf. I mean, well, it's sad that that's the way it, it's it's worded, but it just that's the truth. He's got to play politics on our behalf. If if San Antonio has somebody playing politics, or you know, Olive Branch has somebody playing politics, we need somebody on our side as well. Yeah, it looks like you know that I think they were trying to get. I think eight hundred million is what they were requesting uh, for the state for uh, highways, interstates, that sort of thing from uh, for MDOT to be able to put that to use. And it looks like they may only have to cut that to 450, wow. so almost in half. And there'll be cuts, of course, all along the budget. There are always cuts to try to fund other things. You know, keep your fingers crossed that we can at least get the 150. Right now, it's not looking too good. We may not get the full 150 that we want to to get from you know, from Goodman to church that the governor right. actually said he wanted us to get. It's, it's, we'll see, and, and hopefully the next couple of weeks we'll have those answers and we'll be able to give it to our listeners. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on down there in Jackson, Mississippi, of course, the uh, under the Golden Dome. And thank you to all those men and women who go down there and do that. Uh, just not really my thing, and uh, we appreciate that. Well, Derek, uh, since our last show, what we're just about to talk about, a bill that has passed in the state of Mississippi, um, soon to be – Signed by the governor well, yeah, or possibly? It's, it's, it's out of conference. It, it, it should it, be going to the governor. It's out of conference. Right. Okay, it's out of conference. It's going to have to do with firearms on campus. Tell us about that. I mean, Matt, obviously horribly. The other terrible thing that's happened since the last show, of course, is what happened in Nashville. Um, it was not in Mississippi. Obviously, it, was, it was not in Hernando. But so just a, a devastating, devastating thing to see. Not saying because of that. The only reason, I guess, we, we want to start that this segment with that is because this – that came out of conference and was signed to go to the governor the same day that that happened, which, wow. I mean, I don't know if it was happened because of that or if that pushed maybe the last signature past the line, but the districts who opt into the program could authorize safety guardians, which would be certified to carry firearms on school campuses after specified training. So the Mississippi House and Senate agreed on a conference report that would allow some teachers and administrators to carry firearm on their school campuses under the Mississippi School Protection Act as approved by their local school boards. The bill, 
it, that is Senate Bill 2079, would allow any public school district or public charter school to opt into the program and allow for specified individuals to participate in a training that would qualify them to serve as a safety guardian within the schools where they work. The Mississippi School Safety Guardian Program is a voluntary program. I'll make sure I under- you hear yeah, that. It it's is a voluntary, voluntary yeah. program, and no district would be required to participate in it. The intent of the program is to allow designated and trained employees to carry concealed firearms for the protection of students, employees, and others that are on campus at the school in the event of an active shooter or other harmful situation that could cause death or serious harm to anyone on campus. Now, if a school district decides to participate in that program, those who would be eligible to become safety guardians must currently hold an enhanced concealed carry permit. They would then be subject to uh, instructional training conducted by the Mississippi Department of Public Safety, repeated yearly. The public safety would also have to conduct a criminal background check, a psychological screening, shooting proficiency test, and annual recertification training. Those that participate also would receive CPR and first aid certification. The bill provides immunity from civil liability for safety school guardians as long as they are acting within the scope of the provisions. If they are found to be acting outside of that scope, their immunity would be waived and they could be found liable. There is also, for all that training, of course, all that's paid for if, if, you know, by the school, by the district, if you decide to go there, the safety guardian, whether it be a teacher, administrator, whatever, would get an extra $500 a year, which I don't, that doesn't sound like a lot for us, a lot to go through for $500, but. Well, they're uh, not doing it, they're not doing it for the 500 right, bucks. Right. So, yes. there is a really, fi- I mean, maybe, maybe instead of $500, they buy the firearm. No, a school can't buy a firearm. Can't, can't anyway, buy a firearm. Yeah. But you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, a financial allocation of $500 will be paid to each safety guardian. This program will not override a school's ability to use current or retired law enforcement right. for security. So, if you already have like yes. a resource uh, SPO, resource officer, mm-hmm. uh, SRO, excuse me, resource officer in your school, you can still keep that. It does allow the addition of teachers to the list of individuals eligible for training to carry a firearm on campus. So this is something new, uh, and, and this was this was agreed upon out of conference in both the House and the Senate on the same day that the Nashville shooting happened. And you know, so this could be something. We'll we'll see how DeSoto County decides to move forward with this. We do know that every one of our schools has a safety resource officer. That's a fact. In Hernando, all yeah, of ours. That's okay. right. Remember they they hired. That's right. I they, remember they, that, yes. uh, Hernando gave two, and then they replaced two, or That's they correct. paid two, I guess, uh, or, or added to Hernando's budget to be added pr- to provide two for you know for two of the schools. Yes. Um, so yeah, so every school has one. Uh, so you may say, you know what, that's enough. Uh, it, so there was a, a really good discussion in that article um, about, you know, because somebody brought up, hey, look, I understand, and unfortunately, this this may be needed, but what happens if a three hundred pound lineman for the football team uh, is acting out of line and a 120 pound teacher that could be the safety guardian says you know let's say it's a female says hey I need you to go to you know I need you to go to the alternative school or I need you to you're suspended for X amount of days and they refuse to go how much does she feel threatened or he or she may you know so there was a pretty good scenario where it's like yeah that, there could be a couple times where it could get kind of hairy as to but well you look at hang on I, I see what you're saying but you look at it and that man or woman deciding am I uh am I in danger that's right 
is is going to be different than the school the school of 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 helping you know saving six hundred kids you know kind of stuff like that. So look, I don't disagree. Um, I think you know we all saw that. Did I'm sure you saw that video of the woman who was like thrown down by like yeah yeah like and supposedly she took his Nintendo Stitch or Switch or whatever. Like he threw her down and like she immediately (laughs) was out cold when she hit the floor. I I mean stuff like that. But I mean, don't we live in a world? Look, I know we live in a world of what ifs. That's Uh, true. One of my favorite podcasts I've listened to is a podcast called Confronting Columbine. It was put on by a, uh, a girl that was at Columbine, a uh, survivor of that uh, day, that horrific day, so uh, almost 25, 25 years ago. 99. 99, yeah, so 24 years ago. And she did a really, really good uh, Confronting Columbine, a uh, number of different things. Uh, it's a really good podcast. I highly recommend it. Um, that happened when I was in college, and I can remember being glued to the TV for hours. Um, one of those was one of those episodes that she interviewed a a man a, a guy a man who has um, just begun the process of I mean his company does set up and active shooter drills active shooter training active shooter stuff and, and he was a very good interview and enjoyed listening to him and learning uh, everything um, I think he too was a is a survivor of that wow. We're not happy. I mean, none of us are, are happy that this is where we are in our lives, and we can get, we can act like it's not happening, or get more prepared and stuff like yeah. that. And I, sadly, I think that's where we are. But um, that's that's interesting. That's that's very interesting, Derek. I, I would assume that if this is signed into law in the state of Mississippi, I would assume that that's going to be a, be a very big deal nationally to uh, you know what that looks like, and that's going to be interesting to see what DeSoto County does. Yeah, it will be. And, and again. We are fortunate that we can fund a, an SRO sure, yes. in every one of our schools. Uh, even I know, um, I think everybody on here knows that um, my children went to North Point. They actually are also uh, have an SRO, Good. Uh, which is which is great. Sure. Um, and it's just, but at the same time, uh, you know, it, some schools cannot, especially around the state. There are counties, of course, there are cities that cannot afford to, to fund that. And if this is a way to maybe you do have a retired lawman who is a teacher, right, and you feel perfectly comfortable with him having one. Why wouldn't why shouldn't he be able to be able to protect the school in that way if if that's you know what it came down to? Well, let me ask you a question. I mean, you and I just throwing this out there: hundred billion dollars to Ukraine could fund a lot of SROs. <laughs> I'm just saying. You follow me? I mean, it, right. Let's yeah, not forget when Donald Trump was trying to build a wall on the southern border, it was five billion dollars yeah. that people were going nuts on. That was only five billion dollars. Think about how different the world is now. Just five, four or five years later, when they throw the word billion around like it's nothing. But, you know, while we don't have an SRO in every school across the country, we could do it. Yeah. We could do it if we demanded it and so forth. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I'm looking. I see a lot of stuff on Instagram and people asking for different change and stuff. And who is not this show? To, it's best. No, no, it's no. best to not get on that. We <laughs> we just need to stay in our lane um, when it comes to those different things. But very interesting, Derek. Another another example of uh, just the different things coming out of Jackson, Mississippi. Those elected officials go down to uh, to 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 Jackson and uh, they're there to um, you know represent their constituents. It'll be very interesting to see what DeSoto County does uh, in the near future. When when it comes to that but i can't tell you one thing that has the word DeSoto in its title and man everybody can agree on this one tell us all about the official dentist of the utw podcast the soto family dental care has been a presence under the water tower with over 60 years of combined dental experience dr seymour dr paroli and dr trotter are committed to providing a gentle and caring approach while focusing on the aesthetic beauty and long-lasting health of your smile dfdc makes use of modern technology such as digital scanning intraoral cameras digital x-rays, and autoclave sterilization. An in-house lab allows your dentist to be fully involved in the lab process 
and the end result. You can be confident that the goal of each staff member is to create a comfortable environment to provide you with relaxing, personalized dental care. Visit their office today to see the difference and give them a call at 662-429-5239. Again, 662-429-5239. And Matt, we want to also want to say on here, uh, it's belated. It's one day belated. Dr. Jason Paroli turned 50 years old on Tuesday. 50 years old. 50 years Golly. old. Golly. I, I mean, got a long way to go till I'm 50. So. <laughs> I don't have very <laughs> much longer to go. I won't tell you how long, but I got it. Um, yeah. I, I have not not too much further to go to get to 50. Um, but it, you know what that tells me? That tells me that he is a, a seasoned dentist. Uh, he knows seasoned, he, wait a minute, he's 50 with a child younger than mine. <laughs> don't forget that. <laughs> that is good. Hey, look, it keeps, him, it keeps him young, so he's seasoned yet. Right. You know, uh, has the energy to be the dentist that he is. No, he looks pretty tired. Day. He looks pretty tired. <laughs> He looks pretty tired when I see him. When I see him at the table service on Sunday mornings, uh, yeah, it, yeah, I look, I look back. He wants to sleep in oh, a little man. bit. I think he looks back there and he's, he's looking for that nursery. That's what he's doing. <laughs> what time? What time's that prom time? Kids' prom time. He's, he's looking for fifteen minutes in. Fifteen exactly. minutes. Go, let's go. Happy birthday, Jason Paroli. Uh, just a wonderful asset in the city of Fernando. Loves Fernando. Been been here for you know over two decades and just been a great um, you know member of society for oh, real. I mean, like just he's just, so he is, like, I, I promise you this. A lot of people don't know what he does. Uh, I guess privately sure. uh, outside of his, his business is wonderful, but just a complete asset. Dr. Seymour's been here for decades uh, in, in Hernando, but uh, outside of work, I mean, Dr. Seymour, Dr. Trotter and Dr. Paroli right. just do wonderful, wonderful things that a lot of our listeners maybe know about, but probably a lot do not know the extent to which they, they give. So we just tell them, thank you so much. Oh, absolutely, Derek. Uh, they do a wonderful job with a number of different things and their staff are great people. But like you said, there's a lot of things that they do that people don't even realize and know about. And speaking of not realizing or knowing about, remember, our monthly, uh, let's just call it our, our monthly look into DeSoto County to a part of DeSoto County that you may not know about that Derek wants to uh, bring to your attention and maybe uh, you can swing by sometime and take a look at it. What you got this week, Derek, for our DeSoto County Hidden Gym? Our Hidden Gym this month is the ARC Walking Trail, which currently consists of two miles. ARK? ARK. Okay. AR, the ARC Walking Trail, which it consists of two miles of wooded trails that sit on the wildlife sanctuary located just 10 miles west of Hernando on Highway 304, just past Fog Road. Now, in addition, the ARC has an outdoor stage, a 5,000-square-foot education pavilion, beautiful interpretive signages, and open wildflower and grassland. Where is this? This is all right. So if you're going toward, uh, me, if, if I'm on 69, I'm going no, on no, 60. no, 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 304 on Commerce Street. You're okay, heading out right. toward Tunica. I know, right? but I'm saying, all right. So we're going Commerce Street, and we get to Fog. What do we do? All right, you keep going straight. So okay. you know where the that bridge is? That's like over the cold water extension, yeah, sure. yeah, over the Arca Butler extended. Yeah. Okay, it's right before that. Right before. There'll be a, on your left hand side. They've got a nice iron like gate. Gotcha. Uh, okay. it, has, it says the Arc above it, and may have like some wildlife scenery. Yeah, I think sure. on it. Uh, you just go into that gate. And Matt, Are you sure it doesn't have a? You said wildlife. Is that is it has nothing to do with Noah's Ark? Like two for two? No, I have two for two. Oh, okay, it it has bad. like a bird or something. I, I can't remember the exact gotcha, symbol. Okay. But I mean, you walk in there and it is. I mean, yeah, it has a, it, an education pavilion. It's open. Uh, it is two beautiful trails. They've got like wooden bridges yeah, over some of the like uh, ravines and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's nice. I mean, nice. I've, I've gone up there a couple times and just you know did like a trail run when I used to trail run, which I don't do anymore. But I used to go out there and it is beautiful. It is nice. Now this is separate from a lot of people may be familiar with. There's a a mountain bike. 
um, course that I could talk about in a future month, but that it's um, down 301 on Eudora, and you go south. Right. It's out there. This is actually before that, uh, and this is right there past Fog Road. And, again, it's a two, two-and-a-half-mile trail. It's very beautiful, very serene, and uh, you can get a, it's a nice walk. You can run. But, again, you could bring you know your family out there and have a picnic under the pavilion. They do have some stuff, maybe like educational stuff every now and then under there, and eventually they're going to build like a um, – uh, like a, 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 it's not a museum, but like a uh, kind of a display building that you can and just talk about di- different like habitats, like what kind of trees we have in this area, sure. what type of animals, and they're going to have like an indoor thing that at some point in the future will be built out there. So again, if you don't know what this is, it's the Art Trails uh, Out 304. Please try to find it and just uh, look, look to the south as you're driving west. Look to the south as coming on your left hand side, so right around that um, bridge that extends over the the uh, the Arca Butler Lake when it kind of you know overflows. Thanks, Derek, for that hidden gem of the Soda County. I'll have to get out there on a beautiful day like this and take a look at it and maybe walk the trails a bit. Uh, notice I said run. I don't do that a whole lot anymore, but uh, <laughs> but should make for a wonderful afternoon maybe to enjoy the weather uh, coming up, especially with the daylight savings time. Be a really good time to get out there and do that. Well, let's turn our attention to our under the water tower shout outs as we head towards the end of our show, Derek. As we uh, record, I'm sorry, as we release our show, it'll be on the Thursday morning. So as we release the show on Thursday, tonight, the Hernando Chamber of Commerce Fashion Show, a big event at 1 Memphis Street, will be taking place. 1 Memphis Street tonight. Get out with your girlfriends. Go take a look at all the different vendors, all the different models, walking the runway, showing off all the wonderful spring and summer uh what do you call it? Was it regalia? Is that is that is that a word for clothes or something? Mm. Maybe not. <laughs> wardrobe. Wardrobe. Okay, wardrobe. wardrobe. That's a good one. Yeah. So get out there tonight and take a look at that. And then tomorrow night we're gonna have the fish fry for the Catholic Church. One more time, Derek. Tell us how much and what we get. All right. That's yeah. Tomorrow night, Friday, you get thirteen for thirteen dollars for adults, six dollars for kids twelve and under. You get pride of the pond catfish, French fries, hush puppies, cold salt, dessert. And a drink that starts at 4 p.m. tomorrow night, uh, Friday night. The full supper for the $13 will all go to the Catholic Church and all of the missions that it serves, including the Interfaith Council, which is right next door to it. So, again, I'm fully looking forward to grabbing supper there tomorrow night. Sounds good, Derek. And don't forget, Interfaith Council, Derek just mentioned it. On Saturday, the Interfaith Council puts on the Flock Around the Block, the first 5K in the city of Fernando for 2023. Derek, tell us about that. All right, so that starts at 8 a.m. the next morning. Uh, you can register. if you, you can go right now to raceroster.com. Go on there. You can still register uh, up until the event. If not, you can show up. They, they open, the I guess, the registration table at 7 a.m., um, to do that, the race will start at 8 a.m. Uh, it usually ends about 8:45. They will hand out a, you'll get a hundred dollars to the overall winner, the person that comes in, you know, first overall, and then each age group winner will receive some type of prize, trophy, medal, that sort of thing. Uh, but the main thing is, is the $25 for the run. All the proceeds again go to the Interfaith Council that does so much. We've teased it for the last four or five weeks, Derek. A very, very busy weekend inside the city of Fernando. And then next weekend, everybody knows, next Sunday, April 9th, is Easter Sunday. But before that, there will be an Easter shopping egg extravaganza put on by all the different vendors here in the city of Fernando. Those include Bon Vaughn, Commerce Street Market, Cynthia's Boutique, Hernando Flower Shop, J Mod Boutique, KB's Boutique, LG Trends, Saint and Social, Side Alley Gifts and Cafe, SoCo, Stars in Motion, The Bunker Boutique, The Pink Xenia, and the square cupboard all of those will be happening on saturday april 8th from 10 a.m until five o'clock the easter shopping 
extravaganza right here in the city of Fernando. And then, of course, the next day will be Easter Sunday, which we're going to talk more about that just in a few moments here on the UTW podcast. And then, Derek, a big event, something that you're a part of, the DeSoto Arts Council that you serve as a board member has something coming up. Tell us about that. All right. So the April exhibit, so every month there's a different exhibit, a different artist or a different uh, event that they have there. And for April, of course, we a lot of you know that it's uh, Autism Month. And so we hope to see you uh, for the Little Light of Mine exhibit uh, that will be starting on April 1st. So again, the artwork in the month of April will all be done by aut- autistic artists uh, and so, or, or artists that are on the spectrum. And the exhibit, the opening exhibit, which was going to take place this Friday night, but has been rescheduled due to the rain and the storms that are coming, will now be held on April 14th from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Again, the Little Light of Mine opening exhibit, April 14th from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., uh, so if you want to go see the art, please start going this weekend. If not, you want to come to the exhibit, that's going to be there. I think a lot of the um, the, the children, the artists who have works on display will be there on April 14th from 7 to 9. So it should be fun if you want to come meet the artists, come see the artwork that they did. I mean, you know, you, you could say, you know, that they're on the spectrum that, you know, you think, well, if children with a disability, they may not be. No, these, these is wonderful, wonderful works wonderful of art. art. Yes. I cannot wait for you to go. Hopefully y'all can all go by and see it again. If you can't make the event, you've got 30 days to see the wonderful art that these children and these individuals have done. So again, April 14th from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., a free exhibit, Please come in. Please come, you know, say thank you or, or congratulations to the local artist and look forward to seeing you there. So the exhibit starts April April 1st through the 30th, but the 14th is the event. That's correct. Got it. That's understand. Correct. I have to get over there and see that. Uh, just to, like you said, uh, doesn't have to be said. Just a wonderful event, an opportunity to see the art from those young people. Well, Derek, speaking of young people, let's turn our attention as we head towards the end of the UTW podcast. Let's turn our attention since our last show. What's happened with the high school sports that we cover with the schools that we cover, North Point, Lewisburg, and Hernando. All right, so over the last week, the Trojan soccer team have played two matches with another one scheduled for tomorrow night. Now, last Thursday, the Trojans played Memphis Collegiate School and won by 9-2, to two, led by Miller Lashley with four goals and two assists, and Eli Bailey with three goals, two on corner set pieces that he curved directly into the goal, and three assists. On Tuesday night, they played a tough match on the road at Bartlett and fought hard but fell 3-1, to one off of two defensive miscues. The lone goal was scored by Brody Erber. The Trojans are now 4-2 and two and have their first district match of the year Thursday night at home versus Westminster. North Point Baseball. Over the last week, North Point has had one of the best runs that I know of in the Mid-South, and that's, that's not me being biased. As we mentioned last week, they started off last week with wins over Marshall Academy and Houston High School. On Thursday night, they went to DeSoto Central and beat the Jaguars 4-3 to three, with Hudson Brown getting the win and K.L. Farr the save. This was the third year in a row that the Trojans have beat the Jaguars. On Saturday, Christian Brothers came to the point, and the Trojans beat them 11-6 behind two home runs and five RBIs by Hudson Brown. This past Monday, the Trojans started district play against Harding Academy, and the way that Tennessee does their games is you have two games back-to-back. That's the series, so it's not a three, best two out of three or anything like that. It's just two games back-to-back. So Monday's game was at Harding, and the Trojans won easily in four innings, 24 to nothing. Connor McNatt was a one-man show. He threw a four-inning perfect game with nine of the 12 outs coming on strikeouts. At the plate, he was four for five with two home runs and eight RBIs. Harding then came to South Haven on Tuesday with that hanging over them, and this game was only closer because the Trojans didn't score as many runs. The final was 15-0 in four innings, and the Lions were no hit again. Not a perfect game this time, 
by J.B. Williams. Seriously, they had they did not get a hit in eight innings of play, which is just that's very very sad to be honest. That's that's I don't know. Uh, Sammy Chapman was three for four with a home run, and Connor McNatt had his third home run in two games. The Trojans' record is now 10-0-1, 2-0 in district, and the next play Thursday night. Moving down to Lewisburg. Uh, the Lewisburg softball team was supposed to play last Wednesday night against Brighton, but that game was moved to April 15th. So on Thursday, they faced off in their first District 2 6A matchup of the season versus Isle Branch. Lewisburg gets the easy win over the Lady Keisters, 16 to nothing, with Emma Abrams going all four required innings and getting 9Ks. On Saturday, they faced off in a doubleheader against a tough Brandon Lady Bulldog team from South Mississippi. In the first game, Brandon held the Lady Patriots bat, and the Lady, Patri- Lady Bulldogs get a 6-3 to win. In Game 2, the Lady Patriots got down 8-2 to going into the 7th, but rally in the bottom of the 7th to pull within 8-5. to With the bases loaded and two out, they cannot get the hit that they need to push any more runs across and lose the game 8-5. to The Lady Patriots look to get off their two-game snide by traveling to South Panola for a matchup against the Lady Tigers on Tuesday night. And driving down to Batesville is just what they needed. Avery Williams has a bases-clearing double in the top of the seventh to break open a 2-1 game, and they go on to win 6-1 over the Batesville Lady Tigers. Lewisburg softball is now 13-5, 1-0 in district, and next plays Thursday night at home in a district matchup against Center Hill. Lewisburg baseball now. Number six, Lewisburg faced off against Munford last Saturday, and it was a pitcher's duel with the Patriots coming out with a hard-fought 3-2 victory. Austin Hannigan led the way at the plate with two hits, including a double, while Matt Osteen went four innings and had seven Ks on the mound to get the win. Their next game was on Tuesday night for the start of their three-game district series against Isle Branch, with the games being played on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday this week with the threat of rain on Friday. On Tuesday, the Patriots got off to a good start in district play, getting a 10-0 win over the Keisters in five innings. Gunnar Gilmore gets the victory, and Fessmeyer, Hannigan, and Richardson each had two hits, including two home runs by Richardson and one by Hannigan. The Patriots are now also, they're also now 13-5, 1-0, and they look to take the series at home tonight and a potential sweep tomorrow back at Olive Branch. Uh, now coming under the water tower to Hernando, the Lady Tigers over the last week started with a game Wednesday night against DeSoto Central that took place after our recorded show. They won that game 7-1 against an always tough D.C. squad. Then on Saturday, they faced off against Marion, Arkansas at home and get another 9-3 win. On Monday night, they welcomed another Arkansas team to Hernando and notched another win on their belt, 10-0, with Caitlin Kirkpatrick scoring three runs. DeSoto County Lady Jaguars look for revenge Tuesday night on a return trip back to Hernando, and revenge is exactly what they got. Less than one week after beating DeSoto Central 7-1, the Lady Tigers fall by almost the exact same score, 7-2. The Lady Tigers are now 16-6 and will play again Thursday night. And finally, Hernando baseball Number seven, Hernando looked for the sweep against South Haven at the end of last week after winning the first game six to five in eight innings. The second game would not be as close as Hernando came out swinging with Cade Koshka having two hits, including a double, and Brody Martin launching one out of the park and defeating the the Chargers eight to two for the series win. Now they were going for the sweep on Saturday. Game three looked a lot like game two, and the Tigers do get the sweep to start the district season at three and zero. Connor Young led the way at the plate with three hits and two RBIs. Topher Jones got the win, uh, pitching three innings with five Ks. Hernando is 
was then 14-3, and 3-0 in district, and has their, last, their second district series this week against South Panola. Game one was Tuesday night in Hernando, and a somewhat surprising outcome. Somewhat? Somewhat surprising. I'm going to say no, somewhat. somewhat. No, that's surprising. A very surprising the, outcome. The Tigers, I, I was not expecting the Tigers that did win to win. Yeah, the Hernando Tigers fall in game one to the Batesville Tigers, 4-2. to two. Yep. Game two will be Thursday night in Batesville, and game three, more than likely, uh, because of the rain on Friday, will be on Saturday. So we're looking for the Tigers to rally and win the next two games to take the series. They better figure something out. I mean, that's that, South Panola is not a juggernaut in baseball, and that's very surprising. No, it was, you know, after getting a 3-0 sweep against South Haven, that was that was yep. definitely surprising. Absolutely. And Matt, one more thing. This is something that uh, we want to go ahead and put out there. We have a, uh, a retiring coach here in Hernando. After an 18-year coaching career that has included 13 years assisting or head coaching at Hernando, Jamie Vincent recently announced that she would not be returning to the volleyball court as coach. She gave the retirement interview with DeSoto County News, so we want to give a shout-out to DeSoto County News. Yep. That's who, they, uh, who she talked yep. to to announce this. Vincent said the main reason she has decided to step down is to concentrate on her family. Her daughter, Riley Eister, who was a standout athlete when she was at Hernando High. Been on the show twice. Been on the, that's right. One of those, a state champion, um, is now a freshman softball outfielder at McNeese State University in Louisiana. And she wants basically wants to watch her daughter play absolutely, ball, absolutely, yes. uh, which she absolutely should. All moms get to move their daughters into college, she said, but I didn't get to do that because of volleyball. She also had to miss her daughter's uh, collegiate softball premiere right. because of volleyball. And she said that it's the season of my life where it is time for me to focus on my girl and my family. So the incoming talent for the Hernando volleyball roster next year did not make her decision any easier. She knows she's got a good squad coming back. Right. She said the players coming up could challenge for many championships. And while her teams have been successful, they were never able to attain the Gold Ball State Championship trophy. She still is very, very grateful for her time. And she quips she made, and she actually made a joke that she holds the record for the most state championship coaching appearances wow. without a title. But then quickly adds that the players – and the relationships that she has enjoyed in the volleyball community are what is most important to her. So, again, we want to say thank you Absolutely. for her 18 years uh, coaching uh, overall and her 13 years here under the water tower for uh, what Coach Vincent did for this community. Absolutely. I, I know her daughter, Riley, very well. Um, go look on – Riley was mic'd up, the McNeese – softball oh, nice. team mic'd her up during practice and stuff about a three minute cl clip of her being mic'd up and singing songs and goofing off and having fun so riley seems to be settling in with teammates and uh being a wonderful teammate like she was here in hernando a, a friend of my daughter hannah grace and just a nice young lady and uh jamie good luck with those rides down to lake charles and and being down there and being present and uh congratulations on a wonderful career here coaching volleyball and uh i completely understand the desire and need to slow down a bit and be more present for your family so hats off to you from Derek and myself here with the utw podcast well Derek, it sounds like she maybe is slowing down a bit and trying to uh to uh take a little bit of hurry off of her life which is part of the book that you've been having uh initially school class for a while now Tell us about that as you guys begin to kind of wrap up the book as we kind of wind down that lesson for your Sunday school class. Um, what, what are we working on this weekend on Palm Sunday? We're going to work on softening. Uh, we're going to kind of to softening to you know we we kind of uh, we talked about the Sabbath, yep. talked about slowing down, talked about what we can do, and now it's just kind of softened to kind of ease into it and to understand how important the Sabbath is. This is going to really kind of wrap up. It may take us. I, I was hoping to be finished again. This should have been the last Sunday. Last Sunday we had some uh, speakers come in to kind of tell us about what our church sure. is trying to do. So it kind of postponed things. So if we don't finish this Sunday, we will finish the Sunday after Easter because there is no Sunday school on Easter Sunday. Um, but 
uh, again, so if you want to hear or want to come listen, we're going to be talking about that and just how to soften, how to just not not just like you know don't mean to uh, you know be soft, but it's just to soften is to you know to slow down to take the edges off of all the how hard our life is and how with the things that we go through when we're trying to you know always go from the first one thing to the next. So um, I'm I really think the class has. I think is enjoying it. Uh, I'll, I'll know more after the next couple of weeks, but <laughs> it sounds like they're enjoying it. I've got a lot of feedback. We've had a lot of good class discussion. And again, I cannot uh, recommend the book anymore. If this again, sounds, the title is called the, the, the ruthless elimination of hurry, ruthless, elimination uh, John Mark of hurry. Comer, uh, John yeah. Mark Comer is the author. And I cannot recommend it more. If, if having that time, that peace in your life, the, um, the, the unhurry uh, is important. I cannot recommend the book any more than, than, than I have been. But the main thing is, is that if you want to maybe say, you know what, I would like a day to myself and to God, this is, this is a, one of the, uh, a perfect book for you to start that process. So again, uh, that's what we'll be talking about this Sunday. Sounds good. Softening. Okay. Sounds Soft. good. That's how we like to wrap up our show each and every week, inviting and encouraging our listeners to attend a church service this weekend. Next weekend, obviously, is uh do you call it the Super Bowl of Sundays? I mean, what do you do there? I mean, you know, I guess, I guess it is. No, yeah, it's, it's it like is. That, yeah. I mean, you got two two main Sundays that make the gospel what they what they are. So, well, well, well not well. One main Sunday, right. and the other one can be any day of the week. Correct. Yeah. I mean, it's it's full. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. yeah. I apologize. My bad. <laughs> Easter Sunday is that you are completely correct, yeah. Derek. So. Next week is a, a very well attended. We don't have to do a lot of screaming on our podcast about encouraging people to attend church services on Easter Sunday. It's the most attended uh, church service of any church service throughout the entire year. But it's the every Sundays that are so important. And we want to encourage you to take your family this weekend to a local church. There's so many throughout DeSoto County, wonderful churches in Hernando. Again, we can't say it enough. Please consider this Sunday being your first Sunday back in church with your family. You will not regret it. Look, if you enjoy our show, find us on Facebook at UTW Podcast, on Instagram at UTW Podcast, and on Twitter at UTW Pod. Wherever you listen to our show, Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review. Simply give us a thumbs up. Helps us move up when it comes to local podcasts. If you enjoy our show, you'll enjoy OB Pod. Releases a show very early on Monday mornings. They cover the eastern side of DeSoto County, especially Lewisburg, Center Hill, and Olive Branch Athletics. OB Pod. Look them up today. Well, Derek, hope you have a wonderful week. I hope everybody stays safe with the different storms and things coming in. Derek, I've actually got Parents Weekend for the FAMUs in Oxford. Oh, mine's in uh, – ours is in two weeks. There so, you go. Yeah, so, well, the, the weekend after Easter. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. so I've got uh, Parents Weekend, so that'll be uh, something fantastic. interesting to me. I mean, Heather – the first time I ever met Heather's parents was at Parents Weekend at Ole Miss. Look at that. So, very interesting. How she's, she's, hey, hey, she's not dating anybody, is she? Who? Oh, Grace. Grace, no, no. Uh, she's if not. she's bringing something up no, to you, I was no, like, no, 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 sorry. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. No, <laughs> that's, that's not happening. No, sorry. That is, <laughs> that is not happening. So I look forward to updating that, Derek, on our next show. Uh, the Since Our Last Show segment has become a big part of our, our, uh, our show each and every week, so I'll tell you all more about that. Be safe over the weekend. If there's nothing else, I'm Matt. And I'm Derek. Join us next week under the Water Tower.